You're listening to The Faculty Podcast. In this episode, Steve Stern discusses the famous and occasionally infamous Duckworth-Lewis methodology. So the core of the original Duckworth-Lewis methodology was the concept of uh, what they called scoring resources. And uh, to put it in uh, sort of economic terms, run, run scoring patterns in cricket are essentially what they would call a production frontier. So in other words, teams that uh, are, are uh, batting in cricket want to maximize their run output by optimally utilizing their uh, import resources, their available overs, and their wickets in hand. And what Duckworth and Lewis did was they used data uh, available to them at the time to estimate that production frontier, and that allowed them to essentially assign uh, an expected proportion of a team's total score to any particular over during the innings based on when that uh, over was during the innings and how many wickets were available. And ultimately, what that means is that they could, uh, you know, assess what proportion of a team's scoring potential might have been lost if the innings was shortened by rain or some other interruption. So, for example, they could say, well, this team lost these overs. That represents 22% of their scoring potential. And therefore, uh, to make uh, a fair adjustment in the game, their new target should be 22% reduced from what their, uh, the original target was. So when Duckworth and Lewis were working in the mid-1990s, teams were still primarily familiar with strategies from the long form of the game, and so overall scores tended to be much lower than they are today, whereas when I started my work in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, there had been the influence of T20 cricket and, of course, a longer experience with limited over games, and that meant that uh, teams were scoring much, much higher than they had been, and what I was able to discover by looking at that new data was that the structure of that production frontier for run scoring changes as the overall score gets higher and higher, and I was able to model that change. Right? The basic idea is that in the old scoring uh, patterns, there was a noticeable acceleration in scoring toward the end of the innings because as the batsmen got co- closer to the end, they were able to play riskier and more, but more rewarding shots because they were less concerned about losing all of their wickets before the innings was done. However, that acceleration pattern has to be damped a little bit as the overall scores get higher and higher. It's just not possible to continue achieving them. And the nature of that damping right, is not uniform across the innings. So my research primarily was to model the shape and the nature of that damping effect. There's been a number of uh, various uh, pr- proposed competitors to DLS uh, most of them have been put forward, though, on the basis of claims regarding individual matches, and that, I don't feel that that's a, a sensible approach to that problem because it relies on people believing that there's, quote, a right answer to any given match. And given the subjectivity of the game, I, I don't think you'd ever get consensus uh, of that kind. So instead, to me, there are a set of general principles that are used for comparison purposes and that any uh, competitor would have to uh, undergo to see if it was a sensible or reasonable uh, competitor. That way you have more justifiable grounds on making these comparisons. So uh, I propose five general principles. And the first two are, are just sort of housekeeping, what I call monotonicity requirements. They basically say that a team, a batting team, shouldn't be penalized for scoring more runs, since obviously their goal is to score as many runs as possible. And a bowling team shouldn't be penalized for taking more wickets, because that's their goal. 
But the other principles basically center around making sure that the, the new proposals preserve the nature of the game. All right. So, for example, the third principle is based on the timing of runs. And it basically says that right, the decision about who wins or loses a match should not be dependent on when during an innings running runs are scored, only their final total. Right? So, in other words, if a team scores 250 runs, but they have an interruption in the middle of their innings to do that, whether they win or lose shouldn't be dependent on whether some of those runs were scored you know, before the break and some were scored after the break. It should only depend on the total number. Right? And then other, others are more get more technical around the game. For example, the fourth principle basically is around the concept of what's called a par score. Now, a par score, is, well, different methods will, will differ as to the actual value, but all methods have a par score, which is essentially the score at which if the match were ended at a particular moment, it would be called a tie. So that's what a par score indicates. And one of the fourth principle that I propose says, look, if a match is, is currently interrupted and it's at par, so it's right, evenly poised, then when it resumes, it should still be evenly poised. Right? The rain break of a completely even match shouldn't benefit either side. And then finally, there's a fifth principle, which is essentially about the nature of how one calculates uh, these uh proportions uh, of, of scores, and it says that it shouldn't matter whether a set of overs was actually played by the team or whether we're estimating it based on uh, using our method in a rain interruption, that the amount of scoring potential for a particular set of overs should be independent of that. And so I think those, those five rules encapsulate sort of the nature of what a cricket match should look like. And, and those are the, uh, the, method, the, the principles in which all methods sh should be uh, compared and to date, uh, all of the main competitors to uh, to DLS uh, essentially fall down on at least one of those principles, which is why I believe that DLS is still the current uh, uh, choice for it. There is a method I'm aware of uh, by uh, Ian McHale and his colleagues, which is uh, which does satisfy all those principles, but it's very very similar to to, to DLS. It differs on some very very technical details, so it's not really uh, a major change or, or uh, uh, in the structure. At this point, I don't think there's any uh, uh, competitor to DLS that uh, satisfies all those fundamental principles, and so there's not one, uh, another option to use. But on the other hand, I mean, I'm always on the lookout for potential improvements. In fact, I would only, I'm only involved in, in DLS because uh, DNL were happy to uh, take on board what probably was a completely out of the blue uh, uh, communication to them that I made uh, back in, as I said, the early 2000s, uh, writing to them about uh, ideas uh, that I had about the method. So well, I'm, I'm always constantly looking for the, the next big thing. Uh, in particular, uh, I, the, uh, the scope of modern machine learning techniques is always something that might uh, be added to the mix. Uh, I think some people have chosen to attempt to do that in ways that I think are a little bit over uh, overreaching, which has to do with trying to take account, for example, of too much match-specific information, for example, which batsmen were actually playing, which bowlers were playing. Uh, I don't think that's appropriate to a generic rule. It's more appropriate if you're worried about betting on, on games. Uh, but, you know, there is still definitely scope for additional research to try and, and make uh, uh, advancements on, on based on more modern data analytics.